0: Well, we get to begin a new little mini-series here today. And it's going to be our mainstay through the summer. And so we're taking a break from Romans. And so if you brought your Romans journal, bring it back in August, all right? We'll be back in Romans, Romans chapter 9 in August. But we're taking a little break here to look at Proverbs. And that's going to be a, a good series. We'll have a number of sermons from the book of Proverbs. We wanted to start today. And because it's Father's Day we decided we'll look at what does the book of Proverbs have to say about fatherhood. So we'll be in a couple different Proverbs. Feel free to follow along and jump around with me. They'll be up on the screen as well. But um, I've been looking at Proverbs the last few weeks, really kind of pouring through all the verses about fatherhood. And I came across this one that I, I hadn't seen in a while. I forgot about. It's heartwarming. It's perfect for Father's Day. So Proverbs thirty seventeen says this. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Happy Father's Day. Yeah, now we may initially chuckle at the shock of this verse, you know, or or maybe we're taken back by how graphic it is and I think we're even tempted to dismiss it like, well, that doesn't really happen, right? There's some teens in here that are rolling their eyes like, it hasn't happened yet. I don't think that's going to happen. But one of the first things to understand when we talk about the book of Proverbs is the genre that we're reading. When we read the book of Proverbs, it is poetry, right? It's, it's poetry. And so as all poetry, it has vivid imagery, and it teaches principles that are, that are pretty clear. And this verse is pretty clear. We get the point, right? The vivid imagery. And I, I want you to remember that as we go through Proverbs. We're talking about poetry. Now, we get poetry, right? I mean, we, we hear songs and, and poems, and we, we understand that. Just a few years ago, a song came out, super popular song, and the very opening line is this, and I know shall be the death of me, all right? And you might think that he's writing about a woman. In actuality, he's writing about a drug addiction that he can't kick, and it's so vivid, vivid that it, it personifies this drug. And is he saying that that drug's actually going to kill him? Well, It could. For sure, right? But the point that we get is it's going to be bad. Okay? This is going to destroy him. And same thing with Proverbs thirty seventeen. The, the point is very clear. You know, it's that God takes this seriously. Fatherhood, motherhood, and children respecting their parents. It's, it's a serious thing. And that's the point that we get in a very vivid way. Now, we're going to see this in Proverbs. That all kinds of imagery and principles for living and I want you to, to understand that as we read. We're talking about the genre of poetry. Now, I read that verse about my children's eyes being plucked out and stuff, and I think, man, my work is cut out for me as a father. Like, I, God, how do I parent my children so they don't end up under your judgment and under, end up destroying themselves? The whole point of that verse is that a, a person who disrespects their parents and disregards their advice is going to go through trials and trouble and could even end up with an untimely death or a violent death. I mean it's a possibility. It's a higher possibility than those that fear their parents and fear God. And so, I think man as a dad, how do I how do I parent my girls in a way that they're going to make it in life with both of their eyes by the end? You know, and I take this seriously as I as I think about this. I looked at today's media and it doesn't help me much on how to be a father. In fact, I don't think media ever has. You look at the real classic early television family series, right? Those families were like perfect. I mean, they had challenges, but by the closing music, it all wrapped up nicely. And, and my mind went to that Father Knows Best show. Some of you have seen that. Some of you are too young. You have no idea what I'm talking about. And in, in, that, in that show, we have this dad, you know, and that dad, Jim, he is, he's so witty, he always says the right things, and I'm like, man, I wish I could say those answers. I wish I could, I, I, I could be that kind of dad who's just calm and cool and collected. And that's how it used to be, you know. But the problem with, with patterning your, your, your fatherhood after a media, like, television show is that, you know, we're, we're never going to be able to, to, to attain that level. We're never going to be cool and calm and collected and have all the witty things to say. And that's okay, Because I can honestly and humbly say that this dad right here, this father does not always know what's best. There are many times where I just don't know what to do as a dad. I don't know what to say. I don't know what the next best thing to do is. Now, if you fast forward today and you look at the media today, it's a little different. Fatherhood has changed. And not all shows, but a lot of times the dad is what? Like this bumbling guy who's not in control. And everyone kind of knows he's a joke, you know. And fatherhood has changed. I don't know if it was Bart Simpson that did this for us or not, but somewhere along the way, fatherhood is not what it once was. And again, I think that's okay because we're not supposed to pattern our parenting after the media. There is one father who knows what's best. He's given us in his word instructions for how to be a dad. And so when we come to the word of God, there are a lot of places we could look for fatherhood, but Proverbs is one of the most practical, one of the most helpful. And so I want to look at a few verses with you this morning from Proverbs. And we'll jump around a little bit, but here's the summary of what we're going to see. And that is, fatherhood means fostering wisdom in your children. Fatherhood means fostering wisdom in your children. Now, to begin, it's important to note that wisdom is the theme of Proverbs. And, and I bet a lot of you knew that, right? Wisdom is what Proverbs is about. But maybe you don't know what the word itself means, the word for wisdom. That Old Testament Hebrew word actually means masterful understanding or skill. It's literally changed that as skill. And, and so outside of Proverbs, it's used uh, to describe the guys who did, who built the, the, the ornate stuff in the temple. They had this skill, this ability. That's what chokmah uh, means, that word for wisdom. It means that you're skillful. So when Solomon talks about wisdom in this book. What he is saying is that it's skilled living. And what he means by that is that you can take the commandments of God and you can apply them to your life. So it's more than just like I know this book. I have a lot of biblical data and a lot of biblical knowledge and information. It's different than that. Wisdom is taking this and skillfully living it out in life. That's what wisdom is. So every time we come to the word wise, or wisdom understand it's the word skillful godly living and so the author he so desperately wants to pass on to his readers wisdom and many of the times he's writing as a father to a son and he says my son almost at the beginning of every chapter you could flip through my son and so what he wants is to give his son this skillful godly living and by the way wisdom is needed today more than ever you know why? Because our kids are growing up with more information than we ever had, more than any generation ever, right? They know how to Google like, like nobody's business, and they can talk to their phone, their watch, their tablet, their Alexa. She's listening all the time anyway, we found out. I mean, they can find out information very easily. So, they, so maybe you think, well, as a dad, I, you know, they don't need to learn how to change the oil for me because they can just Google it. They can just go to YouTube. They have tons of information, but do you understand that there's a big difference between information and wisdom? Wisdom is taking that information and applying it to life. And the thing about a kid and a child and a teen is they got all this information and they don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to practically live it out. And so we as parents and fathers, you have a very important role. They have all of this information coming at them. What are they going to do with it? How are they going to live in a godly way in this world And so our God-given role is to foster wisdom in our children. But it's actually a little bit harder than that because if you know what the Word of God teaches us, it teaches us that that we are born with a deficit of wisdom. We're we're born as sinners. In the book of Romans, as we've been studying that, it tells us that we're born lawbreakers, right? We, by our very nature, break the law of God and we dishonor God. You don't have to teach a kid how to sin, right? You don't have to teach a kid how to backtalk or... Or, or hide things or lie. Romans tells us that we're born sinners and, and Proverbs corroborates that. In Proverbs twenty 15, I'll read that for you here. here. Here's what it says. Notice the first couple words here. Folly, that's another word for foolishness in Proverbs. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. So this is, Foolishness is bound up, tightly wound in the heart of a child, like from birth. You didn't put it there, it was already there. And so we have to discipline, we have to, as parents, shepherd our kids. Now, when we go through the book of Proverbs, I want you, as I, I brought up the, the folly and fool, I want you to know three categories. You'll see them on the screen. This is kind of important to remember. You can jot these down or just remember these. But as we go through Proverbs, we're going to see three different kinds of people. So in any text, Understand this. And there are a few others. There's kind of some shades of this. There's a scoffer, which is worse than a fool, and that kind of thing. But the wise person is those that skillfully live according to God's word. We've already explained that. The fool is the person who rejects wisdom, lives for his own interests, is short sighted, and really has no hope, the Bible says. If they're a hardened fool, there's no hope for him. Proverbs says that. But then there's this other category of the simple person. We often think of, of simpleton as a derogatory term, but simple literally means they have yet to determine their course of life. They're, they're not experienced. So when you think about your children born into this world, which category do they fall into? I mean, they're not born with wisdom. That's obvious, right? Because they haven't experienced life yet. But they're also not born a hardened fool. thankfully. They're born simple. They're born yet to determine which way they're going to go. And so you can start to see why, as a father or as a mother, how critical this role is because we're trying to guide our kids from simple into wise, not from simple into fool. Remember, foolishness is bound up in their heart. So they kind of already have a predisposition to the, the fool's way. But our job as parents is to displace that foolishness with wisdom. So you see it's harder than simply like give them wisdom. No, there's already foolishness there. So we have to displace it. And I I picture it this way. As you pour wisdom into your kid through the word of God, through life wisdom, hopefully it displaces the foolishness that's bound up there. It breaks it apart and it gets rid of it. But you can't make it happen. You can't make your kid be wise. You can't make them choose which path they're going to go. You can at best lead them there and guide them. But it's a very important role. And as a father, I I just pray a lot and say, God, be gracious to my kids. Would you be gracious to them? Because, you know, you can raise a kid and teach them the right things in godly example, and they can choose the way of the fool. So I just pray, God, would you be gracious to my children? Because they need you. They need grace. I know I fail. God, please help my kids. Paul Tripp said this uh, about uh, foolishness, and it's this principle. The foolishness inside your children is more dangerous to them than the temptation outside of them. Only God's grace has the power to rescue fools. I think it's a powerful statement for parenting right there. And by the way, that's why sheltering our children or spending all of our energies and keeping them from encountering the world isn't going to be enough. Because they got something inside of them that's more dangerous than the worldliness out there. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous. And so we we should try to protect them. We should try to, you know, keep them from evil. But even if you keep them from evil in like a monastic way, they still have inside of them foolishness. I mean, think about the father in Proverbs. If you know the book of Proverbs, he doesn't just keep his kid from the wayward woman or the seductress. He teaches his son what to do when he's faced with sexual temptation. So that when he does encounter it, as he will encounter sexual temptation. He flees it, or at least he knows the right thing to do. And so it's it's more than just protecting. It's also teaching and instructing. So we lovingly correct the foolishness. We build wisdom into the hearts of our kid. Now, that's a daunting task, right, dads? If you're sitting in here and you're like me, I sit there and go, man, our work is cut out for us. It gets hard to be a dad, hard to be a mom and teach our kids the right things and try to break up that foolishness and, and poor wisdom. I mean, I don't even live wisely myself half the time. How am I going to give that to my kids? And so you, you might be tempted to think, well, I don't have what it takes. And I feel that way too. Like more than probably on a daily basis. I don't have <laughs> what it takes. I want to let you know you don't have to have the wisdom of Solomon. You just need to know where to find it. If you know where the wisdom is and you come to the word, you, can, you have what you need. You don't have to be brilliant. You don't have to be a good disciplinarian and like commanding. You know where wisdom is. And by the way, you have to apply it. Something that Solomon as a dad wasn't so hot at himself. Applying it to your parenting. I believe God has given us two primary ways to teach our kids wisdom and to pour it into them. I'll give you these two action words, verbs for today. So if you're a dad, two words for you. Discipline and disciple. Similar spellings, okay, but different. Discipline and disciple, and they kind of flow into one another. But Proverbs 29, 17 says this. Proverbs 29, 17. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Now, again, I remind you that these are Proverbs. They are principles for living. 100% of the time, this does not happen because you can discipline your son, and he can give you no rest. But the Bible is saying the principle remains that most of the time, if you follow what God says, this will happen. So he says, discipline your son. He'll give you rest. It's going to take more than words with our kids. We have to discipline. Discipline isn't fun. Now, ideally in a home, there are two parents that discipline, and they work in tandem, like together. But I know that's not the reality for a lot of people. Some of you in here are a mom, a single mom. Or the dad's not engaged at all. And so for you, this whole sermon applies to you too because you're trying to play the role of father and mother. And some of you, you dads, you're, maybe you're the only one that's engaged with your kids and that can be difficult as well. But there's a special role that fathers play when it comes to discipline. There is. I remember growing up, I had, uh, there was these eight scary words, okay? You just wait till your father gets home. And I'd be like, uh... Mom, how about, let's just do it right now. Let's just get it over with. Don't need, no need to have this hanging over our heads. Let's just, right now, just beat me now and we'll get it over with, okay? And the waiting, you know, for like seven or eight hours for my dad to come home was probably the worst part about it. And it's probably like seven or eight a.m. when she said this to me. But I just remember the fear in my heart. And I, there's something about a dad, and here's what I believe it is, is that the, the father is called to model the discipline of our heavenly Father. So that's a special role, and in some of your families, that's, maybe that's not happening, but that's what we're called to as dads. We model the discipline of our heavenly father. That is sobering, dad. That is really sobering. I'm, I'm supposed to model God's, the heavenly father's discipline? I want you to look really carefully at this next verse, Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, and you're going to see something in this verse that I hope to explain to you. Proverbs 3, verse 11 and 12. My son Do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. And notice verse 12. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Well, let's just keep that up on the screen for a little bit. And I want you to notice something called parallelism. And parallelism is very important in Hebrew poetry in the book of Proverbs. So, you know, in in English poetry, What's important to English poetry are things like rhyme and meter and rhythm, and there's kind of like a cadence to a lot of her poetry, and the end of the line often rhymes with the next line. And in Hebrew poetry, that's not really very important. And of course, we don't get that in the translation anyway if it's there. What is very important is parallelism, and parallelism is two corresponding or parallel phrases or lines in the poetry. So as you're reading through this verse, you get to, "'For the Lord reproves him whom he loves.'" as, now that's a little key word that tells us we have a parallel here, as a father of the son in whom he delights. And so you can learn a lot about this, this verse. And I would, I would tell you, as you're reading through Proverbs, look for parallelism. It's a key for unlocking what the meaning really is. And so as you, you compare these, you realize, oh, wow, a father reproves or disciplines his son who he delights in just as the Lord reproves his children and so all of a sudden now we're like wow this is a powerful thing us as fathers are emulating the discipline of the lord i think that this author solomon had deuteronomy 8 in his mind and deuteronomy 8 it says this know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son the lord your god disciplines you Indeed, as you're, when you're young, many times the way that God is disciplining you is through your parents. Now, that's in a healthy family. If, you're, if your parent is abusing you, then, then that's not God disciplining you, okay? But if your parent is disciplining you and trying to do the best that they can, that's God sometimes disciplining you. And so there's this parallel between the Father, the earthly Father, and the heavenly Father. And that, 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 that's interesting to me. I mean, I remember how hard it was to start disciplining my girls. And if you're a parent, like a new parent in here, and your kid is, they're really cute, but they're starting to get to that age where you're like, hmm, I think I need to do something about this. (laughs) My girls were so adorable. And I remember thinking, man, i got to discipline those cute little girls. And I wrestled with God with this. I was kind of like, God, I don't know. I mean, depending on what book you read, they tell you different stuff, right? But it became apparent to me pretty quickly that while my girls were very adorable, and today are very beautiful, they also have the potential to be demoniacs. Right? And it was was pretty quick that I realized if I don't get a handle on this, there's a trajectory that's starting here. Because like the behavior at three is kind of cute, but that same behavior at 13 is repulsive. And attitudes and and actions at 13 that are kind of manageable at 23 are out of control. And so, yeah, there's, there's a trajectory here, and discipline is necessary. I struggled as a, as a newer dad or as a dad of a you know, one, one-and-a-half, two-year-old to think, how do I do this? Um, I got over it. You know. I kind of figured that out. But it's hard. But our kids need discipline because it sets this course for them. It sets this trajectory What kind of discipline are we talking about? Well, if you read through the book of Proverbs, you learn a couple things. One thing, it's discipline that produces discipline. It might seem kind of redundant, but it's not. What I mean is as you discipline your kids, your hope and your desire is that it disciplines them towards a life of discipline, that they live in a disciplined way. Because discipline is all throughout Proverbs and not just parental father-son discipline or mother-son discipline. But living a life of discipline, like what does it look like to live a skillful, godly Christian life? It means discipline. I mean, the the, the author will talk about, you know, discipline when it comes to work, hard work. I mean, how many Proverbs talk about hard work and laziness? He, He talks about discipline when it comes to alcohol, avoiding drunkenness. There's a lot of great Proverbs about that. Discipline when it comes to sex, that yes, it's a beautiful thing that in the, the confines of marriage should be enjoyed, but if you're not disciplined with it, it will destroy you. Discipline with money, and so on and so forth. There's a lot of areas in Proverbs that teach us discipline. So why do you discipline your kid? It's all with the goal for them to be a disciplined human being, for them to be, live in a, a way that is disciplined. By the way, discipline's not always reactive. You know, we, we often think, okay, my kid did something, I better discipline them. But discipline is also proactive because it involves talking to them ahead of time and teaching and warning and, and all of that. So discipline that produces discipline and then discipline that is motivated by love. And this is, this is really important, really important for us as dads because I think we sometimes struggle with this. It is out of love that we discipline our kids and remember we're modeling The love that the Father has for us as the Father disciplines us. Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. I remember reading this when my kids were little and thinking, well, that's pretty clear, God. I guess I need to discipline my kids, right? But it's out of a heart of love. And I remember trying to explain this to my, I clearly remember these conversations, right? Sitting in the bedroom and, Daddy, why do you discipline us? And I say, because I love you. And then they give me the stink eye. Like, really? <laughs> this does not seem like love to me. And trying to help them understand, you know, this is me doing my best to love you because if I don't lovingly discipline you, you know, you're going you're to be faced with this in life. And trying to help them understand Proverbs. Somebody came up to me after the first service and they said this. They said, you know, when, when the kids were little, they'll never forget one time, that a child disobeyed and they brought them all to the the table together and the one child goes, oh, I guess we're going to Proverbs again. (laughs) That's what they said. But that parent had sought to help their kids understand, this is why I discipline you, because it's my love for you. And again, we mess up as dads. We do not always do this well. And there are some fathers who do this very poorly and abuse their children, and that is not discipline. That's abuse. We're talking about discipline that is out of love. Now, it can be hard to understand as a kid. If you're young here and you're sitting there going, or even if you're a teen, you're like, I hate the discipline of my parents. Every child thinks their parents are over the top and extra. I mean, I don't know a single teen that's like, my parents are the perfect balance. Like, they, are, they just have this thing. It's hard. It's hard not to despise that discipline when you're a child. But it is out of love. That's the goal. Because we're trying to model the, the love of the father. And discipline in love now this is an important reminder dad I want to encourage you and challenge you with this as you feel your blood boiling right so like it's at night and the kids are out of bed again and you're walking down the hallway right like you're headed towards their room and by the way this is like every night when I was growing up five boys in the house I mean jumping on beds in somebody else's room and my dad would come in he'd come in with the paddle and I'd be like dad I promise we'll never do it again. Is that right? I'm not even kidding. Next night, same thing. It was just like clockwork. He just came up, okay, here we go. But like as you're walking down the hallway, you know what I'm talking about, dads, your anger is starting to rise because they're disrespecting you again. You feel like a joke. No one, even, no, one, no one respects you. In that moment, I want you to pause. I don't know how long your walk is to their room, okay? But I want you to pause and I want you to think, am I motivated by love right now? Because if we're honest, a lot of times we're not. We're motivated by something else. Retribution, anger, they will respect me, you know? And so, Dad, you you need to stop yourself. And maybe you need to walk away and pray and say, God, help me to discipline and love. It's a challenge. It's a challenge as a dad. Um, But this is the whole purpose. We love our kids. That's why we discipline them. It says if you don't discipline your kids, you're showing that you don't actually have true godly love for them. Ephesians six four. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. You know, dads, we have a real ability and a tendency to provoke our kids to anger. I just think it's the way that we're maybe the way we're built, the way the relationship is, we have potential, big potential, to anger our kids. And I the Bible says it and I've experienced it. It's not hard to provoke your kids to anger. And one of the best ways to practice this verse, Ephesians 6, 4, and and not anger your children in an ungodly way. If if your kids are mad at you because you discipline them lovingly, then so be it. But you can easily provoke your kids. And one way to, to avoid this is to apply what you are asking of them. What do I mean by that? How are you with the discipline and instruction of the Lord? How are you when God... The Holy Spirit puts his finger on something in your life and convicts you of sin in your life. How, are you, how do you deal with that? Do you model for your kids confession and repentance and humility? Because your kids are watching you. They know you're not perfect. So how do you handle your shortcomings? Do you go to your kids and say, you know what, daddy really messed up. I'm sorry that I responded in anger. I've had to say that one a lot. You know, like, I'm sorry. I mean, what I... The discipline wasn't wrong, for me to discipline them, but I—it I, was in a way that wasn't godly. It wasn't motivated by love, and so I have to apologize to them. If you do that, you're modeling for them how to respond to the discipline of a father. And I'll—and I'll tell you, they'll respect that. If you never once apologize to your kids, you never one time admit wrongdoing. You're not humble. You're proud. I promise you, they'll get angry. You'll provoke them to anger because you're asking of them something you're not willing to even do yourself, and that's to be disciplined by God. I've actually had one of my girls one time, you know, okay, Dad, you discipline us, but who disciplines you? To which I said, God does, which seems like a cop-out, but I said to him, trust me, it's harder. (laughs) We have to show what it looks like to accept discipline from the Lord discipline isn't going to be enough though Ephesians 6-4 hints at that because it says bring your children up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord so it's not enough to just discipline your kids and have a real disciplined home you know ship shape everyone is in order they look good The rooms are clean they get up on time they go to work and all that Discipline's important but there is another call Thankfully, the Proverbs calls us to disciple. So, yeah, discipline and also disciple. Bring our kids up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What I desire as a father is to see my kids know the commandments of God, the the wisdom of God, and to live it out. That should be at our heart as fathers. If you're a Christ follower as as a father, your deepest desire should be to see your kids, your son, your daughter, Walk with the Lord to be discipled in what it means to be like Christ. In order for this to happen, we're going to have to nurture their heart. We're going to have to get to their heart. Discipline only really curbs the, the, the behavior. It's an outward you know, modifier. It's, it, it doesn't get to the heart. It is discipleship. And, and, and again, they're, they're together. You don't discipline one moment and disciple another. You're doing both as a father and as a mother. But if we only discipline our kids and we do not disciple them, we never reach their heart. So we got really, you know, clean cut, good looking kids who are responsible citizens, but they may not know Jesus. So we got to get to their heart. In the book of Proverbs, the word heart is used, I counted it, 79 times, almost 80 times in 31 chapters. So the heart is this major theme in Proverbs. And so the father is often saying to the son, Your heart is important. You guard your heart. And he, he talks about the commandments of the Lord being on our heart. Here's one really interesting verse written from a father to a son Proverbs 23 26. My son, Solomon writing to his son, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. This is in the context of guarding against sexual sin. And you can just see the father in this relationship with his son saying, son, give me your heart. That doesn't sound real manly, okay? But I think it's an important part of fathering. An important part of parenting is to say, son or daughter, I want your heart. Would you give me your heart? That's intimate. That's a very, very precious thing it's more than just behavior modification it's not like hey kid I want you to act the right way No, he's saying give me your heart and I think this is probably where we have a lot of work to do as fathers I don't know if this comes as natural to us and your 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 child is going to want to give you their heart when they they see you giving them your heart when you're willing to say you know what dad is Dad's a work in progress. I'm working on this. And this is what God taught me the other day. And as you open your heart up to your child and you just share emotionally, they're going to be, they're going to tend to share their heart with you. But I think, dads, we got a long way to go with this, right? Because it's, it's hard. And I'm in a stage now where I have to talk to my kids, like when you're driving in the car and they're on their cell phone, right? It's hard. How do you get to their hearts? I mean, you could take the phone and throw out the window. That's one way, but probably doesn't get to their heart, you know, you, you have to try to speak to them and be vulnerable with them and love them well, whatever stage they're in. But we have to get to the heart. Proverbs 4, 3, and 4. I'm going to show you a couple of verses here from Proverbs. And notice the heart. So Proverbs 4, 3 through 4. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. And notice the heart there. And he says, if you want to live, if you want to experience life, you have to keep my words, my wisdom and of course he's writing the word of God you need to keep it on your heart. And then Proverbs 6 says this, my son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching bind them on your heart Always, That's interesting, right, that phrase? Because earlier, or in Proverbs later, it says that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. So here's foolishness bound in the heart of, of the child, and then we're being told, the father's telling the son, bind these commandments on your heart. It's as if that, those commandments break up and displace the foolishness. Tie them around your neck. Verse 22, when you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. Now in this verse, there's again this, there's this idea of a father's words to his kids are are, are written in, if you look at this phraseology, it's very similar to elsewhere in scripture where we're told to take the commandments of God, the words of God, and bind them to our heart. In fact, if you read Proverbs 6, And you compare it to Deuteronomy 6, maybe later tonight, look at those two. Very similar wording. That's interesting. And that tells me a few things. One, our fatherly advice should be filled with scripture. I mean, Solomon's writing inspired scripture here. So his words are scripture. And as a dad, my words to my kids are not inspired scripture. But if I'm using scripture or biblical principles, now I'm giving them wisdom that they can bind to their heart. You know, I... If I share street smart wisdom with my kids, they, honestly, they can take it or leave it, you know, um, whether they know how to fix something or not. But if I'm sharing the word of God or biblical principles, that's the stuff that I want them to keep with them. That's the stuff that I want them to bind close to them. And so my words should be filled with scripture. Now, that could look... I don't know how that looks for you, but maybe it's reading a verse at at the dinner table. One, for me, a short verse. My kid's attention span at dinner is short. So we read a short verse and we talk about it. Maybe that's it. Or maybe it's just trying to tell your kid, you know, I read this the other day and this is something God's used in me. But our words should have the scriptures in them. That is what's going to displace the foolishness. And then another thing I gleaned from this is my goal as a father is to... Give my heart to my child, have them give their heart to me, and have them listen to my words and obey them so that as they grow up and they start to leave my home and they start to transition, they learn how to give God the Father their heart and listen to his words. That's what we're doing, dads and moms. That's what you're doing. You are training your children how to give their heart to God. And how to listen and obey the words of God. And that's why it scares the living daylights out of me as a parent. Because it's hard work. And and if if I don't feel like I'm doing a great job, I think, man, what what about when they're on their own? How are they going to walk with God? But we're actually training them. So fatherhood is is maybe maybe more of a high calling than you even realized. The goal is that your child is going to walk through life. And they're going to be faced with two paths. And the Proverbs talks about this, two ways, right? And they're going to see a way that really a lot of people are going to tell them is the right way. Media is going to tell them that. Their friends are going to tell them that. Their own sinful heart is going to say, I really think this path is what I want to go down. And then there's going to be this other way, which is hopefully the words that you've shared with them, the word of God that they know. And they're constantly thinking, which way do I go? And this is going to carry them through their adolescence. And they're going to make mistakes. And they're going to go down that wrong path sometimes. We know it's going to happen. But in their head and in their heart, they're hearing your words. They're hearing the the scriptures. That's the goal is that when confronted with two options, they at least have the wisdom that they need to make the right choice. And if our kid learns how to give their heart to their heavenly father by giving their heart to us, they're going to be okay. I have complete confidence that if my daughters learn how to give their heart to their heavenly father, they're going to be okay. They're going to get bumps and bruises and they're going to make big mistakes they're going to be okay because they've learned the whole point of my fathering, which is for them to entrust their heart to God. I'm not going to be around forever. I'm not going to be in my home forever, hopefully, right? And God is going to be there with them, fathering them, and they're going to have to learn how to give their heart to him and listen to his commandments. You know, foolishness is a hard habit to break. And us adults in here are proof of that, right? (laughs) Right? It's not just children that struggle with foolishness. And so we pray for our kids that as they get older and become adults and they still make foolish choices, that God will be able to discipline them and love them. That's the whole goal. That's the high call of fatherhood. That's discipleship. So I want to conclude with a couple of questions for you fathers and then something for children. Father, which of these two verbs does God want you to focus on today? Is it discipline or is it Disciple. And I know you need work in both. I need work in both. And I don't want you to walk away feeling beaten down today. Well, man, I am a failure. But just which one do you tend to struggle with more? I I find that us as men, maybe some of us are are good at discipline, like we instill discipline. But we struggle to disciple and get to the heart and give our hearts to our kids. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you're pretty good with that heart-to-heart conversation, but you really struggle with discipline and And uh, you've kind of maybe stepped back, and mom is disciplining all the time. Whatever the case might be, what is God putting his finger on today? What does he want you to change, to repent of? How has media, or perhaps more likely your earthly father, shaped your picture of a father? You know, maybe you're striving for some ideal. You had a father that was, you know, word cleaver. He was amazing. And you have that picture and you're trying to live up to that. Maybe your father was a very bad example. Probably somewhere in between. Stop trying to reach some ideal of somebody you've seen or some television program or whatever. We have in scripture given to us what we're to strive for. And you know what? We're going to fail. It's about grace. That's what I want you to hear. Something important for you to remember, Father. Your identity is not based on your fatherly performance. So you may feel today like, man, I really messed this thing up. Maybe you feel like it's too late, my kids are older. It's not too late. Because you can still even now model repentance. And you can model what it means to be disciplined by the Father. So it's not too late. But remember grace. Your identity is in Christ. Your identity is not in how awesome of a dad you are today. Because you can kind of feel kind of condemned today. If you're like, I am not doing this thing very well. No, it's about grace. You cannot lose sight of your acceptance by your father, because that really drives you as a father, not your performance. It's God that knows best when it comes to fatherhood. He's the perfect father. So if God is putting his, his the Holy Spirit's kind of pointing at something in your life, here's what I want you to do today. I want you to go to your kids, or if they're out of the house, maybe text them or call them, and just apologize, just repent, like model for them. I'm sorry. I was convicted of this today. I think I should have done this better. It's never too late to do that, and that will be a way for you to show your kids God's still working on you. All right, a couple couple words for kids. So if you're a child in here, and many of us have fathers that are still living, and and of course you can practice this, but especially for those of you who are younger kids, younger kids, do you want to honor your father today? I got one first service to say yes. Anyone want to honor their father today? Okay, I know you do in your heart. You're just afraid to say it out loud, right? I had one, one kid for service said, maybe, <laughs> which I thought was super honest and, you know, awesome. But if you want to honor your dad today, kids, here's what you can do. If your dad has taught you wisdom, just go thank him today. Say, Dad, thank you for the wisdom you te- you've taught me. And if your dad has taught you biblical wisdom, double thank him, you know, because you've gleaned something from him that is precious. But regardless, if your dad has taught you any wisdom, and I imagine he has, thank him today. honor him. You have potential to bring a lot of happiness to your dad or a lot of sorrow. Proverbs 10:1 says, "A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son son <laughs> a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother." And again, the parallelism helps us understand that if you're a foolish son or daughter, you bring sorrow to your mom and your dad. And if you're a wise son or daughter, you bring joy to your mother and your father. Okay, another thing for children here. It's hard, but try not to despise discipline. Try not to hate it. It is tough, right? It is tough. But try not to despise it because hopefully God is teaching you through them. God is preparing you through them so that when you're older and and it's just you and your heavenly father, you learn how to respond to discipline. So don't despise it. Another thing children. Entrust your heart to your parents. And and again, it's never too late for this. Maybe you're here, you're an adult, and you realize, you know, I, I don't, I feel like I've kept my heart from my parents, and I need to, I need to talk to them again. I need to have a conversation. Give your heart to your parents. And as you give your heart to your parents, especially younger, younger children, you're learning how to trust your heavenly father. You want a really good picture, if you're a child in here, or a teen, you want a really good picture of a child and their parent. Christ and his Father, how he always submits to the Father's will. He always says, okay, Father, I'll put aside what I want. I'll sacrifice for your glory, for your honor. That's, you know, it's a little different. It's not for your parents' glory and honor, but it is like I'm submitting to you. I don't want to. I really don't like to. And so you want a picture? Look at Jesus Christ. He's the perfect son. And I want to encourage you to entrust your heart to your heavenly Father. So as a child, whatever age we are, and whatever your relationship to your dad is, I want to encourage you, entrust your heart to your heavenly father. This This is really what we're called to do in this life. This is what parents desire of their kids, to see them entrust their heart to their father. Again, if I can see that with my kids, however many times they disrespected me, if they get respect and they understand it and then they walk with the Lord, that's what will make me happy. And I want to mention, though, too, if your parents are not engaged, or worse, if your parents were hurtful to you when you were growing up, I just want to close this time this morning by reminding you that you have a heavenly father. If you're in Christ, if you're a child of God, you have a heavenly father. In just a moment, we're going to sing about this. And I just read this morning, there was a blog post this morning about six truths to remember about our perfect father. So maybe today this has been a tough message or maybe a difficult time because your relationship with your father is not good. And maybe your relationship with your father is is existent. Maybe he's passed away and you never had a, a chance to make it right. I don't know. But here's what I want you to remember. You have a heavenly father. Here are six truths to remember. He's near when we're brokenhearted. He doesn't condemn us. He adopted us. He will never forsake us. He will train us in righteousness, and he gave his son for us. This is the father. So today on Father's Day, at least praise him. Thank him for being this kind of father. Regardless of your relationship with your dad, let this verse that I close with minister to you today. 2 Thessalonians 2. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word.